Good morning, everyone. This is Doug Farrar with Sports Illustrated, back again with our good friend Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup, back for another draft podcast. Greg, we took last week off from the draft to discuss maybe the craziest free agency week uh, in anyone's available memory, but now we're back to the draft. We discussed quarterbacks two weeks ago, and now we're uh, starting with the running back position, and I wanted to start this podcast we look at the deals you know the the DeMarco Murray signing uh, or the the contract in Philadelphia the amount LaShawn McCoy got from Buffalo after he was traded um, you look at the last three NFC entrants in the Super Bowl and their run heavy attack and I wanted to get a general sense before we get started on individual backs in this draft class because it's a very deep class but there's all this talk about, you know, the running back is dead, the running game is dead, everything is pass, pass, pass. And, you know, you, you talk to executives and coaches, you watch a lot of tape, obviously. What is your sense of the, the present and future fate of the running back position in general in the NFL? Where do you think it stands? You know, that's something I've given a lot of thought to just because over the last number of years, as you know, Doug, it's been conventional wisdom that the running back is not as important a player, that the the position has been marginalized. I'm wondering if we're seeing a little bit of a a trend back in the other direction. Uh, We've discussed the quarterback position, and, and obviously everybody wants a great quarterback. But if there's fewer and fewer of those, and the really good ones with few exceptions in the NFL are getting older, where are the good ones going to come from? Um, college offenses and NFL offenses are totally different. So the games that college quarterbacks play in college are not the games they will play in the NFL. So if coaches are leery of dropping quarterbacks back 35, 38, 40 times a game, are they going to start running the ball? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're lining up with three tight ends and six offensive linemen, but if you're going to run the ball, then just by virtue of that, the runner becomes a little more important. So I I think we could see a little bit of a return to running games in the NFL, and I think it's it's, it's started to slightly move in that direction anyway. And this is a good class for it. This is a a really good running back class. There's a lot of of good backs, potentially great backs in this class. And it's a very versatile class. I mean, if you want a power guy, you can get one. If you want a a bounce outside guy, you can get one. If you want, like, an every down back, there are a couple who are, you know, maybe marginally flawed in some way. But, you know, I go back to the Dallas Cowboys of last year, and we discussed them and their approach to the running back a little bit. Yeah. And I think the Cowboys of 2014 are instructive in a couple ways. Not only can you build your offense around a running game, but I I would maintain, and I have maintained, that the key to Dallas's defensive success in 2014 was their running game because they just they milked the clock, and we knew that that defense were it on the field too long, and this showed in certain games became more and more more and more vulnerable. Um, because last year, and this is why they took a flyer on Greg Hardy, they didn't really have any marquee talent. So, I, I mean, you look at, I mean, Seattle does this, San Francisco did it. I don't, I'm not sure what they're doing now, but nobody is. Um, there are still teams that really use the running game as the fulcrum of not only their, their offense, but their entire team, their entire way of being. Yes, and, and, and you're so right about the Cowboys. Uh, I think that 
On first and 10, DeMarco Murray carried the ball close to 70% of their first and 10 plays. And, and again, uh, maybe my number's off by a couple of percentage points, but you understand the point. Yeah. And their entire team ran through DeMarco Murray. He was the foundation of the team, not just the offense. And they were very much an old-school kind of team in, in this so-called new wave era. And obviously Seattle runs the ball. Uh, you know what Buffalo is going to do. They're going to build an offense around the run game. Uh, I wonder if more and more teams are going to look to do this uh, just because it's the Dallas model, as you said, is very instructive because ultimately – the running game can be a tempo setter for your entire team, not just for your offense. Yeah, and you can do it in one of two ways. I mean, the, the Cowboys also, uh, we've discussed this, they were disciplined with their drafts. They got three really good offensive linemen yep. in a four-year period with their first-round picks. Or you can be Seattle and have an average at best offensive line and just have this transcendent running back who apparently doesn't need anyone to block for him because he blocks for himself. The Buffalo model I'm a little concerned about because you have a guy who is elusive but needs gaps to open, and that line is highly questionable, and I think that's where it could kind of turn in on itself. I mean, following the model is great, but you have to have the model in place before you do it. Yeah, and, and I think that Seattle is also a little bit of an outlier, which takes nothing away from Marshawn Lynch at all, because we know he's terrific. And, and we've posed this question over the last number of years, can anybody do what Marshawn Lynch does in Seattle for those who believe in the marginalization of the back? But they're a little bit of an outlier because of the stress that Russell Wilson places on defenses with his ability to run. Uh, Dallas did not have that. They were a more traditional run game. Yeah. Buffalo will try to put together a more traditional run game because they Matt Castle will likely be the starter, so they'll try to run the ball more conventionally. So the O-line does become more important. But I think more teams are going to move in that direction um, just because it's, it, it's a good way to establish stability and continuity if you don't have that quarterback. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start with the... There are two guys, it's kind of like the quarterbacks, there are two guys at the top, Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. Um, they're the Winston and Mariota of this draft class. And with Gurley, um, the suspension, I th- that that's, doesn't really concern me from an evaluation standpoint. Uh, the ACL thing does, although we're in an era where you can, you know, it, we were talking about Greg Cook yesterday, the quarterback for the Bengals, and, and, yeah. and how much more... Uh, how much less invasive surgery is, how quickly you can come back. Adrian Peterson is the obvious example. Um, Setting the knee injury aside, and and this is always dangerous, but let's say we have a hypothetical healthy Todd Gurley coming into the draft, coming into the NFL. Um, I I think we have a really unique skill set here in that we have a 6'1", 222-pound guy with... Not only speed, but really elite quickness, short area, lateral agility. I mean, when when you put his tape on, he kind of checks all the boxes. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I think he's the best back in the draft, and, and to me, it's not a question. Uh, I think that he's got everything that you look for uh, in a big time back. He's smooth. He's fluid. 
fluid. He's powerful. Uh, he's got short area quickness and burst. He's got top-end acceleration. Uh, he's got the look and feel of an NFL foundation back. And I think uh, when I watch backs, and I'm sure you do this too, and really when you watch any position, what happens often is you try to come up with some kind of NFL comparison just because you're transitioning and projecting players to the NFL. And to me, there's elements of Steven Jackson in his prime and Marshawn Lynch. That to me is, is what Todd Gurley is, and he may be more vertically explosive than either one. Yeah, the Lynch thing, uh, because Lynch is so good at stepping to the side and out of uh, harm's way in a small box. He's, he's yep. a rare, rare athlete in that regard, and I see that same thing in Gurley, um, the speed-power combination. Then again, Gurley also had an ankle thing in 2013. So when you look at Marshawn Lynch, I mean, he gets beaten up and beaten up and beaten up, and durability is a skill. And I wonder, when you look at Gurley, I, I mean, this is always hard to say. I know, you know... Taller running backs, there's more area to hit. Uh, Historically speaking, is there anything in his running style that would make you worry about his durability over a long period of time? Beyond the fact that he's a running back and all running backs get hit. Right. No, no, I would say not to me. Um, I think he has the traits of a sustainer. He's got a big frame. He's patient. He's got good vision. He has really good contact balance. He's physically tough, uh, and he runs with downhill conviction and determination. Like I said, I know you mentioned two backs. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll get into that when we get further down the line here, but I think Gurley is the best back in this draft. I think he's a, a far better overall back than Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Uh, plus, you've got he's you know he's a good receiver. He's a willing blocker. So you've got a you got an every down guy here. As long as he stays. Yeah. Healthy. What you're hoping for, and then we can leave this alone with all the other backs. What you're hoping for with college backs when it comes to blocking is that they're willing participants. Because most guys don't do it enough. Where you, you say, oh, he's great or he's bad. What you you'll teach them the technique. What you want are willing participants. Yeah. And he's clearly that. I would agree that he's, yep. uh, you know, had this injury not happened, I don't think there would be any question about Gurley over Gordon. It's just, it's sort of that hesitation whenever you have, yep. you know, there's a knee thing and there's a this and there's a that. Uh, with Melvin Gordon, uh, the, the, it's the acceleration is, I think, the thing that impresses me the most about him. He's got power. He's got good speed. But it's just the kind of the extra gear and the way he sets up to run and make explosive plays. What are the things, when you say Gurley in your mind is the best back in this class and it's not even close, where do you sort of debit Gordon on that scale? Well, to me, here's the difference. And, and again, I, this is a, a subtle but to me important difference. You and I have discussed this. There's uh, tough and physical, and then there's strong and powerful. I think Gurley is strong and powerful. I think Gordon is tough and physical, but not anywhere near as strong and powerful. Mm. Uh, And and I think that is a a subtle but truly important difference when you transition players to the NFL. Gordon is not afraid to hit it up inside. I don't want to present this incorrectly. I'm not suggesting Gordon, you know, is a guy who is afraid of contact, but I don't think he's as naturally a strong and powerful runner as a Todd Gurley. And there were times where I thought Gordon was tentative and when he slowed his feet when the point of attack was muddied. Uh, There's no question he's an explosive speed back. He's got some wiggle. 
Uh, he's not quite as shifty, I think, in confined space as a girlie and as some other backs in this draft, by the way. He does have a tough inside running mentality. He's just not as powerful. Now, the question I would have for you, and I've talked about this with a lot of people, is how do you evaluate all these long runs where no one touches him? Because he's not going to run 60 yards for a touchdown with no one touching him every week in the NFL. In fact, if he does that five times in his career, it would be a lot. Uh, I don't evaluate open space. Um, it's the same thing like if after a receiver's caught a pass and you know a guy falls down and he runs 50 yards unmolested, I, okay, that was nice. But I look at how I, I look at how he got open. You know, what was the first contact? What happened? Where did he go? And how did he get there? Um, so for me, it's more how did it happen as opposed to the fact right. that it did happen. And you know, college defenses are very different. You've got a lot of zone. There are guys who just aren't NFL caliber that, that these people are facing. I would say, just based on my eval, you, you mentioned Gordon and this, this sort of muddied stuff in front of him. I, you know, there was that sense of this. Gurley's very decisive with what I would call gap recognition, and I think Gordon struggles a little bit with that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And again, we're talking fine delineations here. Yeah. We're not suggesting that Melvin Gordon is, is a stiff and a bust. Uh, so I don't want it to come across that way. But I think that I'll be anxious to see Gordon when he gets in the NFL and when it's it's he's not going to get big gaps and big holes. Uh, in the NFL, you run through small cracks. And uh, that's uh, a back like Frank Gore has made a career out of being masterful at running through small cracks at the point of attack. Uh, the, the question for me is, is can Gordon do that? Um, we know that he's explosive. We, we know he's got good size. We know he's got some wiggle. Um, I wouldn't call him naturally shifty the way some other backs are, but he's got enough wiggle. He's certainly a guy who will hit it up inside. Uh, the question is, uh, when it's not there for him, what happens then? Those are the defining runs for sustaining backs in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, third back on my list, and I'll mention for the first time our Kickstarter campaign, uh, my friend Kelly Walter pledged uh, a certain amount, which allowed her to ask a draft question. And since she's a Nebraska alum, uh, we'll talk about Amir Abdullah. Uh, different physical type, certainly, 5'9", 205, um, decent speed. What are your thoughts about his overall NFL prospects? Because I kind of go both ways. I like him as a player a lot. He's 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 a loose hip, shifty, and elusive runner. He's got a lot of wiggle. He's got very quick feet. He's certainly laterally explosive, which is absolutely critical in the NFL. He can create his own space. You know, we, we've talked about that, how important that is when you're inside. Keep in mind, and this relates back to Gordon as well, in my opinion anyway, to be a great back in the NFL, you have to be able to run inside well. Mm -hmm. Because the perimeter guys, that, that doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Uh, so to me, Yes, he's he's short, but he's not small. He runs very low to the ground. That low center of gravity provides some natural power and leverage. Absolutely. Uh, I like Abdullah a lot. The question, of course, is what's his fit? He's he's 
I think he'd be a really good zone scheme runner. That's what he did at Nebraska primarily. Uh, you know, we look at someone like Justin Forsett in Baltimore last year, a smaller back and, and not as, as solidly built as Amir Abdullah, and he certainly last year was utilized very effectively as a feature back. So it's very hard to, to sort of stereotype guys. Uh, I've described Abdullah as a, he has a similar body type to Ahmad Bradshaw, yeah. but I think he He's a smoother mover with more fluid cutting ability and more naturally explosive traits. So Abdul is an interesting evaluation for a lot of people because there will be some that will dismiss him as a feature back, and there will be others that might say, hey, depending on, on our scheme, which would have to be zone, he might be able to be a guy that can carry 16, 17 times a game. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I can see the Bradshaw comparison. I think he's a bit more powerful. I think if you want to put him on the, the field, for every day, he's got to become a better blocker. But again, we're talking about willingness, and I don't think there's any. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I wonder, can he be Frank Gore? At, 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 I mean, at, at, it's at, a real. Like, that's see, that's a really interesting question because Frank Gore is short, and then uh, I don't know what his specific weight is, right? You know, but he's certainly not two twenty-five or two thirty. Um, you know, that's a very interesting comparison. Uh, my guess is some people will see him as that. He, he ran inside, and I thought he ran hard. Now, is he going to move people? No, he's not going to run through the linebackers or D-linemen, but he certainly was willing to stick it up inside and generate tough yards. That's, I mean, I can see the Bradshaw comparison, like I said, but I wonder if in development and over time he could be – because Gore, I mean – Gore has made more plays, I think, just from a physical, uh, the way a guy looks perspective. Like, how did, yeah. he, how did he make that play with that body type? How did he do yeah. that? How did he do that? You know, especially when San Francisco's offensive line was not anywhere near what it was in, say, 2012. Well, that, that comes back to what Gore is maybe the best in the league at, is getting through small cracks at the point of attack. Yeah. And, and, and creating his own space in very confined area. That That is such a critical aspect to running in the National Football League, and, and you have to be able to do that inside. And can, can Abdullah do that? Uh, again, I wouldn't immediately dismiss that by any means. Yeah, one guy, I'm going to lean on you a little bit. I did not have enough time to watch uh, Jay Ajay of Boise State as I would have liked, so I will uh, I will defer to you on that one, Mr. Cosell. I like Ajay, and I, I, to be honest with you, I knew very little about him when I put the tape in, other than really his name, and I, of course I saw him at the Combine, but um, his body type, his body type is very similar to Marshawn Lynch. He, 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 he looks like Lynch in terms of body type. Um, he, you know, he ran gap scheme runs in, in college, which are power and counter from my back sets. He ran zone concepts. Um, I think that He's a guy that's got pretty loose hips. He's got quick feet. He's an easy accelerator. Um, I think he's got the feet and lateral movement of a smaller back. We're talking about a guy that's 220 pounds now. Um, I think he's got the traits of a foundation back. He's got size, got good feet. He's laterally quick. He's got short area bursts. He's got natural power. Uh, I like J.H.I. quite a bit, and I didn't know what to expect at all when I put the tape on. Yeah, uh, very very productive back. Do you? I mean, I know that Boise State plays a lot of um, bigger teams, so to speak, and and obviously they've been a they've been a power for a long time. So we're not talking about you know Valdosta State here, 
But this this would be a good time to ask you this question, which I think I ask you every year, but it's always worth uh, re-asking. When you look at a back who doesn't have the same strength of competition, and I, uh, I was looking at Zach Hodges from Harvard la- uh, yesterday, the linebacker. Right. And he's going against guys who, you know, will never... Right. In a general sense, but specifically with running backs, when you look at a back who maybe does not have that same level of competition as you would in the SEC or the Pac-12, how do you adjust your evaluation for that uh, so you're not, you know, overselling him to your in your own mind, and also not underselling him and say, oh, he doesn't play against this team or that team, so I don't even want to look at him. Yeah, I mean, I think in the case of, of, of Boise State, I, I think they play enough quality opponents that I'm not sure how valid that is. Um, I know exactly the question you're asking. Yeah, um, I, I want to reiterate. I'm not saying this specifically yeah. about Ajay, but before we move on to our next running backs, yeah, it came to and, mind. And it, it's a very legitimate question because I fought many scouts and very high on their list is quality of competition. So it's a very legitimate and valid question. Um, I guess for me, I, I try to look at traits and my sense of those traits and attributes. And uh, look, if he's, you know, if it's division three, you know, then it's different. But I think that you can get a pretty good feel um, for J.H.I. watching him in college. I don't think you come away saying, oh, he did that at Boise State. There's no way he can do that in the NFL. Uh, I think I try to look at traits and attributes and Secondarily, I might think about you know competition, which is why very often I, I won't necessarily watch guys against a lesser competition unless there's a really good player on one of those teams that's going to be in the NFL draft. But you know, I, I think it's a balance. It's a balancing act, and I think you have to do it by feel. Yeah. Speaking of balance, let's talk about Duke Johnson uh, from Miami, who I, I really like this kid. Really, you know, love the acceleration, love the speed, uh, the agility. He's got, I think, he's 5'9", 207. I think he has a little more power than maybe his size would indicate. Yeah. Um, I, you know, is he, is he big enough to be a three-down back? These are the things we don't know until he hits an NFL system. But this is a guy who, the more I looked at him, the more I thought, I may like him better than some. Yeah, and it's funny you mention him because I think that if you if you look at his skill set, and there's no question he's got a really good skill set. He's he's got great change of direction. I mean, he's got that jump cut ability. He yep. can make people miss. He's got one cut traits as a runner. He can stick his foot in the ground and accelerate. Um, uh, and he's a very good receiver. So, you know, a guy I thought of when I watched Duke Johnson, and I'm not suggesting he's exactly this guy, but just in terms of the combination of traits, I thought of a guy like Thurman Thomas. Ooh. Uh, you know, similar kinds of traits. Um, and again, Thomas, I believe, is a Hall of Famer, so I'm not suggesting Duke Johnson is a Hall of Famer. But I think with that multiple skill set, he, he ran all different kinds of routes, both out of the backfield and off shifts in motion. I mean, he's got a multidimensional skill set, and he's an explosive kid. So again, he's another guy because of the size, weighing less than 210, that people will have to figure out what he really is. And I don't think there's a definitive answer to that. I think if you spoke to, you know, different coaches, they'd see it differently, depending on scheme, concepts, utilization. Yeah. Um, one guy I think, you know, you hear about running backs all over. One guy I think is, has gotten a little lost in the shuffle is Tevin Coleman from Indiana. Uh, 5'11", 206. 
I think good power speed combo. He runs a little high to me and I'm not quite sure he's as elusive as I'd like, but I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts on him yeah. are overall. Cause he had the, the foot injury last year. Um, I just, I think it, maybe it's, you know, well, I mean, Indiana is a fairly prominent college, but um, I just think it's interesting how certain guys are not featured as much on these lists. And well, I, they haven't had a great football program. That's yeah. the thing. Um, you know, I think Coleman is, is your classic sort of determined downhill north-south runner um, who's got short area burst and clear acceleration. I mean, he can hit it and go with top-end speed. I think that's what his game is. I think there's a question about his, his balance and body control off quick cuts. Sometimes I thought he was a little stiff when I watched him. Um, he's a strong downhill power back. But in my opinion, Doug, I don't think he had special traits as, as, a, as a runner. I mean, I, I didn't think he had the complete skill set that where I went, wow. You know, when I was finished watching him, uh, I didn't say, wow, this kid, he's a big-time NFL prospect. I, I didn't see that. Um, you know, he's a home run hitter, can be a home run hitter, um, but I think that he's, he was a little more straight line linear than I would have liked. Yeah. Um, whenever I see a bigger a, a power back like that who maybe be limited out could be limited outside, I wonder, is he kind of an Andre Williams type? Um, I think he's a little better than that. I don't, you know, Andre Williams to me it was clearly stiffer. But uh, you know, I, I I don't think that Tevin Coleman has all those, you know, has special qualities that you look for. So he'll you know, play in the NFL, but I don't see him necessarily as a as a guy you build your offense around. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, the most fascinating running back prospect in this draft class is David Johnson from Northern Iowa. Um, incredibly quick for his size, 6'1", 224. Um, some have said he projects better as an H-back. I think he could be, you know, I, I, it's, uh, it's like the line in Moneyball about endless possibilities. I look at David Johnson, and I could see him lining up in a whole bunch of different places. And you think of these Swiss Army knives as the smaller backs, like Darren Sproles and such. But I think you get David Johnson on your team, you can line him up in the backfield, you can line him up at H-back, you can put him all over the place. And I love his, I mean, does he run too high for my taste? Yeah, but I, I love the the different attributes he brings to the field, not only as a running back, but it, I, potentially, I think, in different positions. And I think that's probably, look, his size, his straight-line speed, and his receiving ability will get him drafted, and, and who knows where. But he's not a powerful runner for, for a guy who weighs 225. You're right about his pad level. It's too high. He's very straight-line. There's, there's not a lot of elusive elusiveness to him. And the one thing I noticed, and, and it always concerns me with backs, if they're going to be runners, is he at times he geared down to brace for contact. You can't yeah. do that in the NFL. Oh, no, he, did not, he did not run through tackles. He didn't really show the kind of contact balance that you really would like to see in the NFL. And, and again, that made me think of him as a little bit of a soft runner, and that doesn't work in the NFL. So I think he'll be used the way you talked about is and, and he'll be drafted and he'll be a chess piece uh, because he can line up in a lot of different places and he can and he's an excellent receiver. So I wonder for him if his best chance is with a team that deploys a high percentage of shotgun with three wide receiver personnel. If that's really the best fit for him. 
possibly, and that in addition to the idea of he starts in the, I always think of Reggie Bush with the 2009 Saints. He starts in the backfield and he flares out to uh, align with the formation or maybe flex right. or maybe slot. And then you're trying to create that sort of mismatch with the third linebacker or Correct. the fifth cornerback, however that works. That's, he becomes kind of the point man for that sort of deciding defender in the run-slash-pass defense. I could totally see him doing that. Yes, that's that's what he is to me more than a guy you line up in, in, as an eye back and you give him the ball 20 times a game. That, that won't happen in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Langford from Michigan State, six foot two oh eight. I look at. I, I just think he's. Uh, you talked about sustainers. I think another word for him would be workhorse. He's reliable. I don't see a lot of things that blow me away. I just I see a back who can come into an NFL team, the right NFL team for him. You know, is he part of a rotation? Maybe he can you know get past that and sort of transcend that. I just see a guy who doesn't do anything spectacularly, but does a lot of things right. Yeah, and, and I think the thing, uh, uh, let's put it this way, I think there's a lot to like about Langford. But to me, the biggest issue, and I watched a lot of games of Langford, because I think he's got a, a pretty good skill set, um, but he's got a thin frame, and what will hurt him transitioning is that he runs light. There's not a lot of power to him. And his game is built on inside runs. So inside runners who, who run light, they have a tough time in the NFL because there's not a real physical dimension to his running style. And again, this get this gets back to that distinction between tough and physical and strong and powerful. He runs inside. He's not afraid to run inside, but he just runs light. Yeah. And I think that that's something you have to decide how you feel about that uh, as you transition him to the NFL. Uh, and and that, that's a big deal in the NFL, believe me. Uh, T.J. Eldon from Alabama, and obviously when people talk about Alabama backs now, they're going to talk about Trent Richardson and that whole, uh, <laughs> let's say he had issues transitioning to the NFL and still does. We'll see if the Raiders can turn him around. I tend to well, Eddie Lacy hasn't had too many issues. Yeah, Eddie Lacy. Why don't we talk about Eddie Lacy let's instead? Talk, yeah, let's talk about T.J. Elton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see, when I look at him, I see a tremendously talented athlete. I also see a guy who, you know, he's, he's very quick to the hole. He's a good cutback runner. Um, I see a little bit of... We talked about backs who have a little trouble with uh, when things get muddy in front of him. I see a little indecisiveness there. Do you think Yeldon, um, he comes into the NFL right now, does he still need work? My 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 overriding sense, my, the word that kept coming to mind is un, it, it's not un, underdeveloped, but sort of unfinished. You know, the, the finishing well, touches that make special running backs special. I like Yeldon more than, than most people do, so uh, I'm going to tell you, you you know, what I saw when I watched him, and, and, and maybe others don't see it that way. I think that Yeldon is a, a loose-hipped runner with, with sort of darting, slashing ability. He runs more like a smaller back than a big power back, but he's 220-plus pounds. Um I think when he runs inside, that he's a laterally quicker and more explosive inside runner now than Borden. Uh, 
I think that Yeldon is, is a guy that has a very good feel for getting skinny. He's very compact and controlled with his lateral cuts. Um, I think his running style and his mentality is well suited to the NFL. Uh, I, I really like the way he was able to get skinny. I think that, as we've discussed, I think that's a, an absolutely critical attribute, and I think he was very, very good at that. Yeah, another guy that I've been hearing a lot of buzz about just from people who do this for a living is David Cobb from Minnesota. Um, and in uh, <laughs> doing different things, it, this was another guy who unfortunately did not have enough time to watch comprehensively. What are your thoughts about Cobb? Well, the reason why Cobb is not talked about a lot is because he's not fast. And personally, I think 40 time is the most meaningless and overrated uh, measurable for a running back. I bet if he timed Frank Gore in the 40 in the last five years, if he, if he broke five, he'd be running fast. Yeah. Um, so that's people looked at Gore run at the combine, and my guess is, I don't have the number in front of me, but my guess is it was probably closer to 4.7, 4.8. Well, yeah, just to break in, he ran a 4.81, and he had a quad injury on his first 40. Yeah, so people look at that, and he gets dismissed. I actually think that he's got a lot of traits that transition to the NFL. I think he can transition to the NFL both in zone schemes and gap schemes. He has both one-cut traits and downhill traits. Uh, you know who he kind of reminded me of? And, and again, I'm not suggesting David Cobb is, is going to come in and be Adrian Peterson, but I thought he was kind of a smoother, a little bit quicker Stephen Ridley type back. Oh, okay. a, little more, a little more efficient in, in his running style, but... Uh, I know Ridley was off the radar this year, but he's gained a thousand yards in the NFL. Yeah, well, New England running backs are always off the radar. I mean, Legarrette Blunt can score four touchdowns in a playoff game, and people still go, "Oh, Brady, Brady, Brady." So that's kind of uh, it's part of the deal. Yeah, he's a very sustaining runner. This kid. I mean, he's 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 one of those sort of efficient downhill chain movers. He's built low to the ground. He's short, but I think he weighs about two twenty five. Another one of those guys. That has very good balance and body control. Um, I don't think Cobb is a guy you build your offense around necessarily, just like Ridley wasn't the guy New England built their offense around, but he certainly had games when he was healthy where he carried 20-plus times and was very effective doing that. Yeah. Uh, Time for kind of the lightning round. Who else have you seen uh, in this draft class at the running back position that really impresses you? Or maybe that you thought you might be impressed by and are not. Who, Who stood out? Uh, let me look at the list of guys I, I've seen. Um, we've hit most of them. Well, the other kid who I think you know people have talked about is, is Buck Allen from USC. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to see him at all? Uh, no. Yeah, he's... You know, again, another one of those guys that has good size and you have to decide what you think he is in the NFL. Um, he's another guy that at times I thought slowed his feet and prepared for contact. And to me, that's always a red flag. Um, you know, he's he has some sort of slashing, darting, running. That's the way he runs. He's, he's more of a fluid runner than a power runner despite his size. Uh, he was a good receiver at, at SC. Uh, the big question, again, for me is I'm not sure how tough a runner he is, if he can handle the mentality that goes with a heavy NFL workload. Because the, the, a lot of these backs, and you know this, Doug, and you actually mentioned it, is there's a mindset that goes with being a true foundation back. It's, it's not just a skill set. Uh, there are guys that 
do have a skill set, but can they line up every week knowing the offense starts with them and that they have to stick it up in there 20 times a game? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure Buck Allen is that guy despite his the fact that he's 220-plus pounds. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about one more running back. I actually have two uh, questions from uh, Kickstarter people who generously uh, Kickstarted our podcast. Krupal Desai had two questions, and one of them was, and I, I don't think Shaq Thompson should convert to running back, but regardless of Shaq Thompson's statements about not playing running back at the NFL level, um, what are your thoughts about Shaq Thompson as a running back when you watched him on tape in that role, how does he? How is he defined as a back? And what are your thoughts about him overall? Because I, you know, I mean, I, 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 could, I, yeah, I, I haven't I, seen him. I haven't seen him in that role. I've been watching him on defense, okay. so I, I have not seen him as a runner. So I wish I could answer that. Um, you know, I have no. Have you seen? You've probably well, seen yeah, him as a runner. I, I'm going to say I'll answer it. He's uh, he's an interesting power guy. I think um, in the same way. I mean. He's at least as credible as bringing J.J. Watt in for certain red zone packages. And, of course, we know that J.J. Right. Watt had been a tight end at one point. Um, I think a creative team, uh, a team that's interested in furthering its running game in certain formational packages, would be wise to and probably would use Shaq Thompson. And, you know, he would bring him in. He's a fullback here. He might align out a little bit and take a pitch out here or there. I don't think that's out of the question at all. Um, do I think that Shaq Thompson would merit a top, you know, first or second day pick as a running back? No, but I think he has some of the base attributes to be um, that, you know, that kind of player, sort of a package right, guy right. here and there. And believe me, I wish I had seen him. I, I just have not. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, he. <laughs> it, I, I think there's an unexpectedness factor to what is the linebacker, do, you know, and, and the, the NFL would eventually chop some of that off, but I don't think there's any question that Shaq Thompson does have some running back attributes that are sustainable in the NFL. Right. Um, and Krupal also had a good question, uh, a second good question. Who are the best hybrid backs in this draft, either scat backs or running back fullback hybrids? Oh, think that gets back to what people will think of um, Abdullah and, uh, and Duke Johnson. You know, um, I spoke to some people at the Combine who see Abdullah solely as that. And then I spoke to some people who potentially see him as more than that. So I think it depends on your, on your view of Abdullah. I think Duke Johnson fits into the same category because he's such a good receiver. So those are the two backs, in my view, that they'll, they'll be polarizing. Uh, polarizing is not probably the right word because I think most people will agree they're very good players. It's just how will they best be deployed in the NFL. I think those those are the guys that, you know, you you think about utilization and how they ultimately best fit how you play. So it depends, you know, how you where you draft those guys and how you see them. Yeah. Uh, one final question. This goes, it's still about running back play, but it's a little off draft. But I, actually, I want to know the, the answer to this, and I think you probably have it. Don asked about, um, said, not sure if it's too late, but had a question more about the outside zone running scheme. He was, yep. Don was watching a seminar uh, that Alex Gibb, Gibbs gave. Uh, mentioned during coaching video that in his scheme, it's different from how the Colts ran it with Manning and Edger and James because he doesn't have the halfback bounce to the outside. Doesn't elaborate what he meant by bounce. Somewhere else he heard Red once that a halfback has several options in the zone scheme on what gap to run through. 
and briefly mention cut, bang, bend, and bounce. Is Coach Gibbs referring to the gap or hole that is the halfback's aim point uh, when he talks about bounce in his zone run scheme? Well, normally the way it works is, and you can almost tell by the angle of the back, the path of the back, um, it, whether it's inside zone or outside zone. And normally what they do is uh, the, the the back will read, often they'll read, if it's, if it's a 4-3-D line, for instance, they'll read a, the three technique. And they just work off that, and then after two or three steps, the back gets a feel for, the, you know, because don't forget, gaps become fluid. Yeah. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. De- defensive gaps, you know, gaps become fluid. But when the offense moves, gaps become fluid. So that's where the back has to have that ability to be patient, to have vision, and then to stick his foot in the ground and cut. I mean, ultimately what you're trying to get accomplished, and it's all based on the defensive front as to what's the front side and what's the back side, what you're trying to get accomplished, Doug, is you're trying to stretch the front side and seal or cut the back side and create a natural gap somewhere. Yeah. That's what you're trying to get done in the zone run game. Stretch the front side, cut the back side, then there's a gap. And that's why they talk about one cut downhill, because you don't know exactly where that's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Yeah. So you have to be able to stick your foot in the ground and have excellent short area acceleration. And that's why guys who can't do that, they're better gap scheme runners, which is power, counter, those kinds of runs. Because, you know, it's why, it's why ultimately Darren McFadden is not a, a um, uh, zone runner because he doesn't have the loose hips to just stick his foot in the ground like that and then go. Everybody assumed he could do that, but he can't really do that. You need loose hips to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I, as much as physical traits come into that, and we've discussed it at length in this podcast, is the, the decisiveness, the innate yes. ability to kind of know before you know where that opening is. And I think right, well, right, that, and that that's exactly why running backs have to understand defensive fronts the same way quarterbacks do. Because you have to know, for instance, where, let's say, based on a front, if there's an eighth defender that's going to be in the box. Because you don't, because you know that that eighth defender is not likely to be accounted for in the blocking scheme, and you don't want to cut right back into the eighth defender. Because then you can, you're just getting tackled by an unblocked defender. So, you know, you have to understand uh, exactly where those guys are. Now, if you get past the initial line of attack, that's when you do have to beat an unblocked defender. But you can't cut into an unblocked defender at the initial point of attack because then you're tackled. So that's why backs have to understand defensive fronts just like quarterbacks have to understand defensive fronts. Yep. And when you're playing zone, you're playing gap, you're playing whatever. If you if you can't be decisive and, and hit that gap and, and sort of know where it is, your coaches are not going to be happy with you, and that's regardless of scheme. No, and that's why the zone run scheme is it's a certain kind of back is required for that. There's a patience, there's a vision, there's the ability to stick your, your foot in the ground and go. Um, but it's there's a lot of patience and vision that's involved with that. It's not just take it and go. Yeah. Well, speaking of taking it and going, great stuff again, Greg, as always. And we'll be back next week to discuss uh, wide receivers. Again, a very intriguing and deep class there. Yes, indeed. We look forward to that. All right. Take care.